0: start with the time of worship and uh so however uh, you guys are comfortable with worshiping um I just believe you know, as the scripture says that uh we're two are gathered that just the presence of God is there and so uh, I just invite you into that presence and I'm um, just decided to worship Jesus and praise his name. So we're gonna start with this first one and if you have uh, a pamphlet um, with mirrors uh, somewhere with the living both yeah out somewhere Awesome great yeah awesome well,
1: I see people shaking their heads already, it's not about skills at all, just relax, you're the only one who's going to see it if you want, you know. So I'll have the prompts for you just ease into the process, it's totally fine, you have no idea what you're doing, it's okay. But basically we're going to create what I call a journey map, and so it's asking you to look at a certain period of your life and just kind of map out your journey. So you may choose to do that by creating a timeline, or creating like a geographical map, whatever you decide, it's okay and it's perfect and it's acceptable. So I just want to start off by saying that. Um, I am going to read from my phone, if you don't mind, just because I want to get the words correct. Um, and then for the last part I'll just talk want I share my story. But before we get into the scripture, I'll read from Genesis 28, I want to give you a little bit of backstory. Um, so Genesis twenty-eight is a very, very familiar story to a lot of people. It's all about Jacob's ladder. He has a dream about a um, ladder reaching from heaven to earth. But before that, actually, what's happening um, is that Jacob is part of the family. You know about the father Abraham, his son Isaac, and then Jacob is the third generation of that. So Jacob has a twin brother called Esau, and Esau is actually the older brother. Esau was expected to get the blessing received Family line, but Jacob, uh, with his mother, decided to manipulate circumstances and deceive his father into giving him the blessing rather than his older brother. So that's what's happening before I do this next portion, just to kind of set up the story a little bit. There's still a ton more about the backstory, but that'll get us started. So I'm just going to say a little further, but there's and then I'm going to dive right into Genesis me. God, I thank you so much for the gift of being here in this place. I thank you for the opportunity to come before your people, God. To share with your people, God. I thank you Holy Spirit for speaking. I thank you for being amongst us, God. I thank you for opening up this text, God, and helping us to dive deep into it, God. Help us to hear your voice in these words, Lord. Help us to understand what your presence is here, God. Help us to connect into to our lives, God. I pray that you fill my voice, God. That you my very game with your spirit, with your presence, God. May we speak and hear from you, God. Thank you for being here. Jesus, Genesis 28, 20, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 16, actually. And it reads Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread broad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you, or I I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And that is the winter way. Section one is called resting. Imagine that you have walked an unfamiliar and unpaved path through dry desert terrain. On about, on about the second day of your journey from your father's home, you notice that the sun is setting and that you should make camp for the night. What is going through your mind as you lay down on the hard ground, but only a rock as your pillows will volume to sleep? Do you look at the luminous sky as the stars begin to emerge? The last trails of daylight. Do you look at the luminous sky as the stars begin to emerge? The last trails of daylight slipping away. You kneel over your wall and your family's drama unfolding in the wake of your abrupt departure. How challenging do you find it to finally allow your body to surrender the ease of grief and anxiety, allowing the earth to drink in your sorrows? Perhaps you sink into relief as your mind finally relinquishes thoughts on the trouble you've just left behind and on the long journey still for you. Did Jacob find it difficult to rest before he slipped into his infamous dream? Jacob's story of the ladder to heaven and earth is so familiar that it is tempting to allow our eyes to glaze over the text without causing to sink into the rich layers of the story. <laughs> on the surface, the story is pretty straightforward. A man on the journey
2: falls asleep. He has a dream that was built in the glory heaven. He names a place
1: in honor of that dream. And continues on his dream. But what else emerges from Jacob's subconscious dream space that can pull back heaven's sheer layers for us even today? What happens when we get in and fall into Jacob's dream for ourselves? While Jacob may be our protagonist, it is undeniable that there is another character in his easy story. This scene would be incomplete without the role played by darkness. We would miss the majestic. Brilliance of Piper's introduction and remark for God was his presence. And what emerges from the dark that we would never be able to see in full daylight? In this story, darkness is the womb through which Jacob experiences the seeds of his own inner transformation. Darkness is the womb that holds the birth of Israel. And there, tucked comfortably within the bosom of earth's caverns, Jacob rests his way into his own transfiguration. The transition unfolds so smoothly that Jacob won't grasp the full weight of the moment until years later when he will unwittingly enter a finally point of wrestling match as a sheer in Genesis 32. But at this moment, though, Jacob is coming to sleep, his mind set on his journey. So that, that's so good for a better. And this first prompt in your journals, I invite you to draw a map of key moments in your journey. And do this with a particular time frame in mind. So don't try to cram in your entire story. Think about maybe the past, I think, ten years, five years, or even just one year. What's your journey been like this past year or so? And map it out if you do it with a timeline. If you're a political drawing, so maybe okay. you just want to write it out, that's fine. But um, after you do this, think about um, creating really key moments in your journey, but also be sure to include Highlights and some of the darker moments that made up your dream. So you have about three minutes to do this. Section two. This is called dreams. As he drifts into a dream whose rippling effects will forever change his life. I imagine that Jacob must have started upon a ladder that reached from earth to sky. I imagine that he was walking intently through his dream the same fervor that had walked for days between his father's land and his uncle's home? What did he notice first? A ladder or a stairway that seemed out of place in the open terrain? Or did he see the angels, those divine beings that also moved in tension between homes and purpose? Was it their vertical ascension and descension that made them out to be somehow different? Was their vertical journey so drastically different from Jacob's horizontal mobility could not help but to classify him as something other. What gave them away as angels? And were they moving towards him? Or did Jacob simply notice their activity while they seemed to be in perpetual motion? Did they notice Jacob at all? Was uh, he merely a witness to the light that flourishes within the thin veils between heaven and earth? How many ascending and descending angels had Jacob already passed through as he walked, mired by his connection to earth, without the benefit of sight, seized of his earth-centered concerns. Why should Jacob be given this gift of sight at this particular point in his journey? At his father's request, he is on his way to around to his uncle Laban's home, and Jacob's only about two or three days into a weeks-long trek. Nonetheless, he is now far enough away that it would be foolish to turn back. And he wouldn't turn back. Now with his brother still fuming over his betrayal, who knows how his rash brother might react to his duplicity's bakery. So onward he continues, and with his gaze forward, he is rewarded with a gift offered to bear in view. We may also question why the Lord chose to introduce Jacob to the spirit from the first of her dream. Perhaps to answer rests in studying Jacob's very nature. Ask Jacob, a name being the planter, or one who takes the place of one who can Him. He is one who cannot rest. Even at birth, he clinches the heel of his twin brother Esau as they emerge from their mother's womb. At the the nearing of his father's death, he collaborates with his mother to manipulate his way into the family blessing. He will not rest in honoring tradition, but instead believes that the family inheritance fit best upon his own shoulders so that he can maneuver through a fabricated layer of safety for his own well being. It is only when Jacob is still, when he must finally rest, because he is not able to see his way forward with the coming of night, that the Lord finally reveals himself. Jacob, in his most vulnerable state at the dawn of night, is able to receive and is finally able to see more fully than he ever could with all of his own ingenuity and kindness. Ironically, though, his clever nature is not discarded nor completely eradicated. Even with the coming of his own transformation. When he will finally be ready to be known as Israel, he will be rewarded for his perseverance, a trait that surely derives from his agile mind refusing to refrain from considering all possible angles by which he may win, succeed, find shelter, live. Jacob's ultimate preoccupation is with finding safety and full on. But it is only through entering the one space where he is rendered powerless that he comes into the promise of granting his heart's greatest desire, to truly be known and cared for. The will to direct a course of action that will not render one forgotten is in all of Jacob's desperate actions. He fears not just for his physical life, but also for his very essence. Jacob's resounding question throughout Genesis is, who am I? Am I the one who emerges second after the initial joy of seeing a child enter the world for the first time has already filled my parents' hearts? Am I one who must cry for another if I am not to be left outside the family blessing simply because I was born second? Am I one who is unknown by a God my fathers claim as their own? Am I one not recognized even by my own kin? Am I one who must labor for that which I love because I struggle to believe that I am enough? to receive great blessings. And my own spirit very name signifies my inner struggle
2: to overcome that which is laid before me. In Genesis 28, the Lord does not yet answer Jacob's unspoken questions, but he does plant the seeds that will lead Jacob on the path of self discovery.
1: So for this second prompt, I invite like you to add to what you are created rather than come to another page so just kind of build on the layers. For the second prompt, Questions. When thinking about those key moments that you plotted out in your first prompt, were there gifts that God gave you during those points in your journey? Can you think about these gifts as maybe something that you didn't have to work for, but God has simply offered them to you? And also keep in mind that gifts don't have to be um, just one particular type of thing. It can be talents, it can be relationships, it can be opportunities. Something that God always decided to give you at key points in your life. We have two minutes. Section 3. Revelation. While Jacob stands in awe of the matthesis like angels moving to and fro, the Lord makes his own presence known. The first matter that the Lord settles with Jacob is his own identity, but he immediately connects his self-revelation to Jacob's history. He calls on the stories Jacob heard from his father Isaac about his legendary grandfather Abraham. Undoubtedly, Isaac told Jacob the story about his father merely sacrificing him after Surely Jacob has heard about the familiar promise that God would care for them and would grant them land. However, how much of these stories remain abstract, unsolidified by personal experience or cause for care? How much did Jacob really know about this strange God his father and grandfather served? So, the first matter of the Lord is to kindle the seeds of connection, planted by Isaac, with this one line: "I am the Lord." God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the Lord begins the movement filling the God of forefathers to being the God of Jacob's present. The Lord stretches Jacob's timeline, pulling the promise from, pulling the promise given to Abraham and to Jacob's gown. It's worth noting that translators read this part of the text with distinct differences. Where exactly is the Lord when he introduces himself to Jacob? Is he standing above the ladder? Looking down at Jacob? Does Jacob have to keep his neck back and stare up at the sky at a distant yet very powerful God? Does this reorientation of Jacob's gaze serve to turn to his attention from the familiar stresses that fill his vision and placing them instead on a broad and deep heavenly purpose? Is the Lord essentially calling Jacob to a higher train of thought? or is the Lord beside him? Conversing on what Jacob is witnessing by granting context to his experience. If the Lord is beside Jacob, then this this becomes a passage not entirely about the vertical relationship between the Lord and Jacob, but rather about the triangular effect of Jacob's purposeful light unfolding horizontally across the earth by way of the power of vertically descending from divine purpose and plan. In this way, the Lord situates Jacob in his rightful place by acknowledging his connection to the Round. But also in the dispensing divine aid and heavenly and earthly The appearance of angels emerged like a shimmering mirage, but somehow the Lord's presence grounds them in reality. The latter may serve as a divinely designed bridge or portal, but it is the Lord who becomes Jacob's true bridge. And the mobility of the divine serves to organs, our understanding. While we look up at a divine children who sees all and knows the path that we must take, we are also guided by one who walks alongside us, even as we have yet to become aware of his presence. What is even more awe-inspiring than a God who only catch a very small glimpse of who far, far up above you is the God who would dare to allow you to experience his presence, up close and personal. He is not a God trapped by the constraints of distance or the appearance of power. In his full power, he dares to go where he pleases and challenges you to reconsider your own position to the divine. His earthly presence, all his many forms, start to remind us that we have the capacity to adjust, to shift, to change, to morph, to transform. As he moves and we orient ourselves based on his movements, we progressively morph into more accurate reflections of such gracious presence. And here is the secret of the text. That by locating the Lord's presence, we realize that we are not actually in Jacob's dream, but that we are stepping into the Lord's own divine visions. Visions that see no distinction between heaven and earth. The two enmeshed as one. The tangible, folding into and falling over and emerging out of, the full realness of heaven. This is the crux of the secret. That the divine is always, and so incredibly within reach. Our challenge is to learn how to rest our way into the divine flow so that our own eyes may be opened enough that we may easily see that there is no real distinction between the workings of heaven and earth. When God invites us to dream, we are merely stepping into visions that God has already seen and prepared for us to enter into at the of time. So for this third thought, can you find any connections, any connecting points of the key moments in the case that you've already slotted out in your own journey map? And how do you sense that God is working in your life so far? Right. Section four. And this last part, I'm just going to talk a little bit and share bit about my story and talk about how I see it connecting with Jacob's story and his dream. So I always tell people uh, it's pretty miraculous that I am. Can- um, living the life that I'm living right now, and that I'm an artist. Uh, I don't come from a very, my family's creative, I don't want to say I don't come from a creative family, they're creative, but no one in my family is a professional artist, no one draws or paints or dances or sings or anything, so the fact that I am living this life today um, is really a testament to God's powers and graces, um, so I started off wanting to be a professional athlete, um, I chose my college um, based on the coach that was there and i wanted to run basically that's what i wanted to do that's what i thought i was doing or mapping out my life based on my uh, physical abilities to be able to uh, win track meets and that's what i thought i was going to do with my life so i <laughs> went off to college and i got there and i was miserable i didn't understand what was happening practicing my passion everything that i was so excited about but being there in a professional environment being in that school um, something just was not you know, I had literally spent years trying to prepare for that moment. Something just wasn't falling into place. And so I spent about, it must have been close to nine months or so, just trying to get it to work, trying to get things to come together. And I was talking to a family member of mine, and she turned to me and said the words that changed in my life. She said, Dee, uh, what is your purpose? And she just kind of dropped it and then went off and did something else. But <laughs> it rocked me to my core because nobody had ever talked to me about this idea of purpose. My life having meaning. I was just kind of moving through life, doing whatever I thought was to my own best interest. Um, I never thought to think about um, my life actually having some kind of significance, you know, beyond just oh, this is what I'm gonna do. And when she said that, it was like it was haunting me, and I couldn't get it out of my head, I couldn't get it out of my system. And so I uh, still remember to this day. I called my father and I was like, Daddy, this isn't working, and I want to come home for a little bit. I just can't do this right now. I don't know what I'm going to do, but this isn't working. And then my parents knew that I was struggling, and so they just <laughs> got lost and let me come home and not do much. Just kind of sit around and figure things out, you know? And I remember uh, doing something I had never done before. I prayed to God, and I said, Lord, if I have a purpose, what is it? If I have a purpose, if there's a purpose that you designed it for, what is it? And that little prayer um, shifted everything for me. Uh, I still don't know why, but to this day, I, I can't really figure out what happened exactly. But I was just kind of bored. You know, I wasn't doing much. I wasn't really working or anything. And I was at home on my computer, and I saw this little ad in the corner of my screen for the Art Institute of Houston. And I cannot tell you why to this day, because again, remember, I don't come from an artistic background. Nobody in my family has any real like visible artistic gifts free to but in their own way. Uh, but I. <laughs> life, But as I was in the classes and my instructors were giving me assignments, I was like, oh, I can do this. And I'm good at it. And I love it. And out of that one period of time where I was just starting to just ask God to show me, who am I? Who have you created me to be? All of a sudden, all these things begin to happen. All the way fast forward to where I am today on leading creative ministries and doing all these different art shows. I have a creative studio. You know, all these different things are happening because I dared to ask God, what is my you know, I imagine, like, if I had just tried to keep forcing my way, somewhere kind of like Jacob, right, I think about how he must have been um, kind of terrified. Like, what prompts you to want to kind of deceive your brother out of his own inheritance, right? It has to be some sort of fear and a sense of inadequacy, right, about yourself, that you feel like you're not enough, that you don't have enough, that you have to deceive somebody in order to receive something from your own family. And I think about how I to really try to force myself to fit into these that I have, right? Trying to manipulate my way. I was not know my exactly, but this idea of trying to force things into my understanding. I think about that. And I also think about how he left behind his family uh, in a kind of confusion and frustration, like thinking about how his brother Mr. Felt, right? And I did the same thing. I just kind of left everything. You know, I left my college career. Um, they had invested time and money and resources into me. At that level, you know, they put some money into you, right? And, I left that behind and I remember the coach was telling oh, no, don't quit yet. Yeah. And I hesitated for a second because <laughs> I recognized what had already gone into my before but something wasn't working and I needed to step into the next. And so I think about how Jacob entered into this journey of his, uh, not quite sure where he was going, but aware that he couldn't quite go back to what he left because all the bridges that he burned or thought about burn break. Right? Um, and then fast forward to him finally getting into a place where he has no choice but to rest. And then that is when God begins to reveal who Jacob is, who God is, these gifts. Like Jacob was able to see things that other people couldn't, right? And if you read the rest of Genesis, you don't hear about other people in his camp being able to see the angels or the Lord. You only hear about Jacob being able to do that. So Jacob had gifts that he can even know were present. So <laughs> God did the exact same thing for me um, and showed me that I had these creative abilities that I was not aware were there. And so for this very last prompt, you to um, what training or vision is God inviting you into today? Can you map out what that might look like on your journey map? And uh, this is a bit of vision casting and requires imagination, but please have fun with it um, and see if you can build on what you've already plotted out. But just what is God calling you to today? I Any mean, sort of vision or dream that's tugging at that your heart? You'll have two minutes for that and then I will close this out in time. Um, I do encourage you to go back to what you created with your journey map. Uh, go back to it this week and just see if God reveals something to you. See if like, God begins to connect in terms of the dots that you've already laid out for yourself. And go back and fill in some of the emails. I'm going to pray for us. My, my husband, yeah. God, I thank you so much for uh, our stories. I think for our journeys. I think we or how far you brought us already lord but i also think that there's so much more i think you have that you have thought about us god you thought about our lives you thought about where we are headed you thought about our past and the journeys that we are onward and so i thank you so much for opening up our eyes i think you for filling our minds with your visions god help us to see what it is that you see lord help us think about uh who we are and, and how you have been so particular about how you have crafted us and shaped us god and how you have designed each of us for a very particular purposes, God. So I pray for each and every one of us here as a God, and for those who are part of the community who do not today, God, I thank you so much for uh, continuing, God, to open up our possibilities, God, open up our sense of what is, what we are capable of, God, to capable of, God. And I pray that you continue to reveal gifts and talents and, and abilities that we don't even know are inside of us, God. I pray that you continue to pull us out of us, God. Continue to help us understand, God, all the important, of the story, and I pray that we Father, that like, you would allow us to uh, understand, God, how to move with you, God, how to shift with you, God, help us to locate where you are so that we can fully follow you, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for uh, guiding us on our paths, God. You never leave us, you always go ahead of us, God. You prepare the way for us, Lord. And so I thank you for doing that for Church as a community, God. I thank you for mapping out the path for them as a community, God, for leading them into the vision that we have before god and i pray that you give them glimpses of what you have in store for them more because so i thank you for this time thank you for the chance to be with you god and for the chance to seek into your word God, to so put back of the layers that are there god thank you for how you continue to share with us through scripture share with us our stories and i pray that you continue to share with us for our
2: dreams thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you all thank you.